Hello, I'm Pastor Tim Isaac, one of the clergy here at the Peoria First United Methodist Church. It's my honor to be with you today. This is the 116, a podcast about living higher, wider, closer, and deeper. The 116 is a presentation of the First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Don't forget to like and share us on social media. We're available on all podcast platforms. Please subscribe or follow us and be sure to leave a review. You can go to peoria1.com for more information about us and to leave us a message. That's peoria1.com. Well, today I'm with uh, Principal Tom Bloomer and his assistant principal, Crystal Monist. They're from the Lincoln School here in town. It's a K-8 through school here in Peoria. Also, Dan Phillips is with us, and he is the uh, director of community ministries here. Julie Bell, you can't see her. You won't be able to hear her today either, and that's a real shame because she has such a beautiful laugh. She does. Yes, she she does. does. (laughs) But maybe we'll we'll hear that uh, a little bit later. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you, Dan, and, and maybe you can talk just a little bit uh, about why they're here today and how what that connection is. Yeah, we are located, as Pastor Tim said, we're located in downtown Peoria at the corner of Main and Perry Street. And coincidentally or not, um, Lincoln K-8 School is located at the end of Perry Street as you go uh, north into into the North Valley. Uh, First Church has always had a relationship uh, with the schools, the primary schools in the North Valley, previous uh, to the Lincoln K-8 uh, programs. We were at the Irving School, and I think we started there in 1993 or 4 uh, with our bear programs, our bear buddy programs, and our reading programs there. Principal Michael Luzzi and, and his uh, a uh, group of uh, helpers there did much to foster the the strong relationships that we developed over the years with Irving School. And when Irving closed, the transition to Lincoln K-8 um, was made, and we attempted to bring that same dynamic down the street to Lincoln K-8. So we started at Lincoln K-8 when they when they made the change. And the first couple of years at Lincoln K-8, um, I don't believe Principal Bloomer was there, but he wasn't far away. And Crystal, I think you were there um, at that time. So uh, welcome, both of you. And uh, we're so glad that uh, you're both here in the studio and both down the street on Perry. Tell us, um, tell us about Lincoln K-8, uh, a little bit about it for people who haven't been there. What's kind of the feeling at Lincoln uh, K-8? What's the dynamic um, uh, of the kids there? Okay, let me start this. Sure. Oh, sure. So uh, we are the third largest school. Sometimes we're the fourth largest school as far as enrollment with about 750 students this year, which is, which is large for us. We are roughly um, a third... Latino, and about 50% or 60% African-American, and then the rest just uh, some odds and ends there. Um, we are the, the, I like to think of us as the center of the community, at least in, in Averyville and um, in the surrounding area. Uh, we have about 100 faculty and staff so we are a very large building with about a thousand people coming through every day uh what would you add to that honest well very urban uh, yeah. and and as you said um irving and kingman 
both closed because Lincoln at one time was strictly a fifth through eighth grade school. Um, and then when Kingman and Irving closed, they fed in, that was 2013. They came over to Lincoln K-8 and, and helped us become this huge school. It's a, it is a huge <laughs> school. And, and I know from, from serving um, as a volunteer down there during that time period, the first years were um, a little tenuous. Um, I know that um, went through a principal or two and, um, and it was just difficult to get teachers to stay. And it was just a, it was difficult. And I think it was, you know, the combination of uh, starting of a new school, um, the integration of, of kids from different yeah, schools, yeah. Um, just the dynamics of the, of the neighborhood. But after a couple of years, um, you came on the scene, Principal Bloomer. And um, I think there was a lot of, um, a lot of positive things that happened at that time. I know, Crystal, at that time, I think you were an interventionist, yep. which is what? I think that word, uh, sometimes people think that means you break up fights. What, uh, and we know that <laughs> is she does now. That. Well, yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started as an interventionist at Irving um, the year of the merger. So we closed Irving's doors like in December and officially started with Lincoln K-8 that January but the, the role of the interventionist changed, you know, throughout the years. Some years, my role really pertained to analyzing student data. Some years, it pertained to, like, actually working with small groups of kids and providing interventions for students that needed it. Um, and then somewhere along the way, it changed into what was called an instructional coach. And so that role, it really involved more of me um, providing support and coaching and mentoring to the teachers. And so um, during the pandemic, that role kind of ended. And at that time, I was already in school to become an assistant principal. So I kind of like rolled right into into this job. Well, I think um, a lot of credit uh, goes to you for staying with it, for uh, adapting to the changes uh, that were going on down there. I remember Principal Bloomer the first couple of years as as they were finding their way at Lincoln. I remember, um, well, it was, I think, the first year that you were there. Um, I believe you might have been over at Woodruff uh, uh, school uh, yeah. technical schools saying boy i'm sure glad i'm not over that, there that's true uh, that's because true. Yeah, it was a revolving yes. door yes. of teachers and and it was it was challenging yeah um i so woodruff at the time which shares a field with lincoln k8 so i had at that school the career and tactical center but i also had the uh, alternative school and then the county school for students who have been expelled so not only Peoria schools, but the surrounding schools that are in Peoria County. So we would release at the end of the day at roughly the same time Lincoln would. And I'd come out with all these pretty tough kids and, and my teachers, and we'd sort of escort them out the door. And I looked across the field. I remember this so clearly in saying, I am so glad I'm not the principal. <laughs> of Lincoln. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is, I mean, I'm coming from the arguably the toughest school in the area. Right. And I looked over there. I had a, I had a Peoria police officer 
who would have to go over and help sometimes over at Lincoln K-8, and he would come back and say, please don't send me back. <laughs> <laughs> which which I know when it was time to get substitute teachers, that was a, a kind of a common response. Oh, not available. Uh, can't go there. Um, so, yeah, there were some tough times, I know. But I think you uh, both are very hands-on, and the, the uh, teachers and the students realize that you're just not removed and telling people what to do. You're serving alongside of them, and you're, um, you're there as a one-to-one with both mm-hmm. teachers and students. Yeah. I think that really has played a huge part in Lincoln's turnaround, and it, just the fact that we have kept teachers. Yes. We don't have... Yes a big turnaround from year to year at all anymore. Um, I remember thinking back the first year after the merger, I want to say like 12 teachers left that summer. And I was like, wow. But I think that they really were passionate or wanting to be at a primary only building. And so um, I thought, oh, no big deal. You know, we'll get a new group and we'll get it going and everything will be fine. But then it just kind of continued um, each year until Mr. Bloomer came on board and, and um, people kind of started buying into his humor is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but now we don't hardly, we don't have that much teacher turnover. No, and, and, and that helps build consistency. Sure. And, and I do want to say that part of, part of the turnaround has been elite has been there also. Mm-hmm. So a community group that comes in every day, works with our students from the neighborhood. And that's, the the Cannon brothers, uh, they were all in on that too because it is it is a community mm-hmm. effort. So everybody stayed. They easily could have gone, mm-hmm. but they they wanted to be there. So that that's been that's been huge. That, that well, and I think huge. people that that grew up in Irving and uh, grew up in the North Valley and and really the center part of the city kind of understand that dynamic and and they don't run from those things they right, yeah. if they care mm-hmm. um, and want to make a difference they do as mm-hmm. the Cannon brothers have done and found ways to make it work um, I remember um, at Irving we had a kind of a it was a smaller school of course we had a big in with Michael Luzzi and we were able to uh, pair of uh, church members one-on-one with just about every student in there. And we realized when we, and that was with a variety of programs, both fun and relational programs, but also reading and, and other things, game days and uh, trips out to wildlife Prairie park. But we knew when we were going to be a part of a bigger um, situation, it wasn't going to be that easy. Um, So when we got down there, uh, the the administration still welcomed us with open arms, but they weren't quite sure how to deal with us because they weren't sure what they were dealing with themselves. <laughs> so I know when you first started, you had shoulder length hair, and I know over the years it's kind of worn on you a little bit, and uh, and you are as you are. But no, you did not back off, and and again, you're always smiling, but you're always relational. When I'm dropping off food there or coming in to do something else, and I hear your voice on the uh, on the loudspeaker, it's like uh, families talking to you. It's it's not you know kids do this, kids do that. It's it's more family directed. It it's a different atmosphere. Yeah, I I I think. You know, I've been around a long time, and the dynamics of the relationships in the school between the educators and uh, the teachers have changed a lot. So when I started, you could pretty much run a school with an iron fist, and you're going to do it my way or, or else. Yeah, those days are gone, and, and probably that's a good thing in yeah. many, many ways. 
So you're, you, you get to know kids and that's, that's how it's done. Yeah. I, I don't think when I was a kid growing up, I would have been able to tell you the name of, I still don't know the name of my principal, but I do think that several kids will leave Lincoln and remember our names. <laughs> I remember my principal's names because I was in the office. <laughs> <laughs> like Dan, probably way, yeah. yep. Yep. way yeah. too often. Yeah, yes. a little bit. A yes. little bit. Maybe yeah. that's you remember difference. those kids for sure. 750 <laughs> kids. Uh, we can probably pick out the ones that are. Well, we're, we feel trouble. fortunate as a, as a church to be able to be part of a public school system. Um, again, Irving in a smaller um, environment, we were able to do a lot, and we just didn't know how that would happen. At Irving, we had a variety of programs, uh, including being able to help start a choir, which we realize in, in the world back in 93 even, the public schools didn't have the resources, uh, both monetary and, and human resources, to be able to uh, do things like uh, a choir and, and robes and stuff like that. But, but First Church had people that thought this is what we need to do. This is our neighborhood. This is our community. Awesome. So they did choir robes they our choir director you know led the kids and all of a sudden there was a kind of a new energy in there and so when when it changed in in 93 we were a little worried because you know we were big fish in a little pond and now we're minnows in a in a big river and it it was a couple years of finding our way and same thing with that but um i tell you it's just been wonderful giving giving us an opportunity to, to kind of grow with you and grow with the kids uh, down there. Yeah. I, I think that's how you and I kind of somehow got connected because um, the administration before Mr. Bloomer, I don't think that they really understood the, the relationship that you guys had with the students and the families after the merger from Irving. And um, I just remember thinking, like, we cannot let this relationship fall apart and so even though I wasn't an administrator I was just an interventionist I stepped up and started trying to help facilitate those reading buddies and stuff yeah. and without people like you Crystal on the inside kind of paving the way and and opening the doors that we need to walk through yeah. and saying no you don't need to go down there it kind yeah. of helped us kind of find our way which yeah. was which was great well I'm definitely um, grateful that you guys never gave up on us <laughs> well, <laughs> for sure yeah well the you know I, I don't know when the official adopt a school program um, started as part of the district 150 uh, foundation or whatever but um, we have been very proud to be part of that uh uh, part of that family and and adopt a school i mean it's it's great now one of the things we do that's not really related to the school but it is is our morton square soccer program and i and i bring that up for just a couple reasons uh this summer um saw you there several times oh, it was the uh, best part of my and, summer yeah yeah <laughs> it really and was. it was uh, you know uh, it's an every tuesday night program uh, june and july where the kids ages 5 through 12 can play soccer um and have a safe environment and a couple hundred kids sign up and play and the morton square park is filled with families and vendors selling mm -hmm. food and snacks and it's just a, a great three-hour period where everybody's together and during the summer we had hoped that that would keep people together the relationships that we had um, at Lincoln and, and at that time at Irving we could keep that going so that when school restarted uh, we weren't having to restart everything and a gentleman came up to me and um, 
he he looked real familiar, and and uh, one of the officers that happened to be Peoria police officer passing by that night, um, Sergeant Denise, she said, "I think I know that guy," and ends up that he's a, a resource officer uh, that that she grew up with, and he said, "Actually, he said I was a kid at Irving." Wow. He said, and I was a buddy at Irving. Wow. And this kid, uh, this kid, this man is like six five, and and everybody looked up to him. And he said, I know the value of of that relational uh, experience. And he yeah. said, it's really, really important. Um, and and as that goes, how um, how does the adopt to school program benefit the kids at Irving? And and what is it really from the from the school side of it? What does it provide? I, I think in general, there is a lot of uh, nervousness, a lot of anxiety about coming into schools, especially in an urban school. So the fact that First United Methodist Church has been there and continues to be there is just, I, I mean, it's really unheard of. I think you could honestly say that um, First United Methodist Church has been the most powerful adopt a school uh, just because of the longevity mm-hmm. uh, the relationships that have been built and i i we've seen not necessarily uh any fault of their own other organizations come in and then fall away because it's not just showing up there is a lot of background work <clears throat> that goes into it and um if you're if you're not uh, resilient, it's it's not going to happen. So First United Methodist Church has been there through thick and thin, even through the pandemic. We got phone calls from you guys saying, what can we do? We know we can't come in, but what can we do? And that is unheard of. I mean, and you, really, you just do really. so much. Like It's like you touch on every little aspect of, of life almost, like You've got the support for, for reading and, and helping students learn. You've got the support for the fine arts with the choir, athletics with soccer, um, the birthday buddies. The kids love being able to celebrate their birthday because they may not get that at home. Um, and then the food, like that's huge for our families. Well, and, and, those, and those programs are really extensions of what we originally started with. The, uh, the feeding program, we call it the Backpack Buddies because um, originally it, was, it came out of a program at uh, Friendship House, a summer mm-hmm. reading or summer program. And they realized then that kids were coming into the program on Monday. You could tell which kids were hungry. And they were a little fidgety or they couldn't stay awake or whatever the case was. And they started this feeding program. And and then when school started, they thought, you know, the kids in school probably aren't getting the food over the weekend, too. So um, every week we pack 275, we call them backpacks, but they're bags of uh, easy to prepare food that a, a, a child can get that's, you know, nutritional. There's some snacks. There's things like raisins, granola bars, uh, fruit cups, um, you know, pop-top uh, cans of soup and things like that. So the idea is to address the needs in a very simple way. Uh, reading is, like you said, it's always needed. Mm-hmm. And it's something that anybody can do. 
Um, and we like to say, you know, it's like soccer. Uh, when we ask somebody, can you coach? Oh, I know nothing about soccer. We say, perfect. <laughs> we, we aren't looking for soccer coaches. We're looking for people that will listen to the children, that will be there to support the kids. Mm-hmm. And, and really, something as simple as reading mm-hmm. is something that anybody can mm-hmm. do. The pandemic did give some challenges, they, without a doubt. We, and I mean, the different outreach programs that we did here or do here, um, we had to adapt on the fly, kind of like the schools did, but we got through it and uh, we were able to keep providing and, and that's what we know that we need to do down at Lincoln. Things will change. Um, probably people will change, but we still need to be there because the kids need that. Um, and I know in District 150, a number of families are single-parent families or families that are multi-generational with needs that are different than maybe a, a, a school in a, an urban or non-urban area mm-hmm. uh, would be. So um, we just try to be there with the different programs to, and also to take a take a, a little load off of the teachers. I have two daughters, both teachers, and both in public school systems. And, and you know, that brings it home pretty quick uh, when they, they tell me some of the things that they endure. And you feel for the kids. I mean, yeah. and then you try to put yourself in the position of that teacher dealing with those kids that are not getting maybe everything that they can at home, not, not due to any fault of the home, but the situation um so we can we can make a difference by showing up yeah that's a that's a big thing you can see those relationships too like we've had reading buddies that might start with a student in second grade and then they'll stay with them year after year through middle school and you know come in once a week and and read with kids all through the years so it, it and i also see the relationships between the volunteer and the teacher so Julie, you know, sometimes we get volunteers that have now formed a a relationship with the teacher that they were with. And so they stay to keep helping that particular teacher. So it's cool to see those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to jump in because Eugene Mason is hired through the foundation here, which provides um, monies for both the art work that gets done in the afternoon art class, as well as the uh, choir that happens down there as well. Some of these programs have been around for a long time. I'm just curious, is there anything that you all are going through right now? Is there any big need that you have that maybe we're just not addressing yet that either we might be able to help with or another congregation or social agency out there or group who just wants to come make a difference? So what I found over the years is, is when we do things for a long time, sometimes we're meeting a need that used to exist but may not still be there. Although I, having been in school systems, my father was a middle school math teacher for many years. I know that often when budget cuts come, it's the arts and uh, the music department that sometimes gets cut first and the mm-hmm. drama department, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there's always that need. I just, I'm my assumption, there's always that need. But is there anything that you all are thinking of that, boy, we sure need, or we just need people to, to care about us in this in this way. Dan and, and Julie, you guys are great about checking in with us with that same question. So I feel like we just talked about this not too long ago. I can't think of anything um, that you guys don't already have your hands in. So when people ask me, like, what do you need? My thought always goes to reading. Mm-hmm. The, we could never have too many volunteers that want to just come in and read with kids. 
and and I think as Pastor Tim alluded to, and also Principal Bloomer, um, we we don't view our relationship with Lincoln as being an exclusive that only we can do. Um, we have shared uh, some of the joy with other groups that have mm-hmm. come in that for whatever reason they couldn't stay doing it. And there are lots of great groups um, that do what we do at Lincoln in other areas. But uh, our reading program, for instance, the the years that we've done it, it's never been just church members. Uh, It's people that care, um, people that maybe know a neighbor that goes to church. And they they say, okay, I'll I'll go with, you know, Sally. Uh, She goes there on Tuesday mornings and reads. Um, There's just lots of ways that you can get connected. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes people say, oh, are you going down there and preaching? Oh, absolutely not. We're going down there and being in relationship with kids that um, need a little support, need a positive influence in their lives. So that's that's kind of our purpose mm-hmm. is to be there. Uh, and it is very rewarding. I'll tell you what, the the kids, when they, when they see you come, mm-hmm. um, and you talk about the relationship on the birthday programs. Um, I remember... Um, uh, my wife got real close with Mrs. K over the mm-hmm. course of several years, and she got engaged, and she got married, and, and you know, we would show up to do a birthday party, and uh, they would go off in a corner, and I'd get stuck. <laughs> I mean, I'd get to have the class all to myself, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is, uh, it is a great place to, to know that you can make a difference, and, and, you know, it isn't a huge commitment to be a part of any of these programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would like to say, too, just to alleviate any fears that any of our church members might have about going, that we're not there to evangelize. That's not, you know, we're not going down there to proselyte, to take anybody out of either no faith or whatever faith they might be a part of. Um, and so we don't go down there and, and preach, like you said. We hope that our example might lead them to ask the question, why are you here? So that we might be able to say, well, the reason we're here is because God loves us and has called us to love on you. And if that's helping you read, celebrate a birthday, to help you with an art project, that's what we feel we're here to do. And that's just a simple way of somebody being able to, to share very little of their faith, frankly, but an important piece of their faith, that as Christians we're called not just to take care of ourselves, but to help take care of the community around us, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And that's how we're trying to love our neighbor is by adopting, as you said, Lincoln School and the children who are there. And again, not to convert them to our faith, but to be a, a simp- a simply a part of their life as a part of the community and a part of the Christian community that lives here. And so there's that clear separation of, of church and state, sure. and we're very mindful of that. Um, at, on occasion, um, an invitation might be to come to church, you know, with some of our the kids that's, that's a soccer program because we do have a vacation Bible school coming up or we have what's called Six Ways to Praise, which is an arts program, a two-week arts program in the summer. And there will be an invitation to come to that. But, again, the, the evangelism that goes on there is pretty low-key. And, again, that's not why we're doing all this so that we can give that one invitation. We're doing it because we just want to love our neighbors as God has loved us. Some of the fun things that um, um, I have seen over the years are when, as Pastor Tim said, the kids uh, in the last year, there was a, we have an art gallery here in the church. 
and there are regular shows. And a couple months ago, there was a combined show with kids from, from Lincoln School. And it was just great to see the artwork, to see the families that came um, on the opening night of the show, mm-hmm. um, just, to, just to see that. And what's kind of interesting, too, um, Eugene Mason, who, um, again, has been uh, part of the fine arts program, teaches at Bradley, just a wonderful individual, he and his wife, um, they were at Irving, and they did in, our, in one of our lobbies, we have a giant mural of Irving, and there's a picture at the bottom, and it's Eugene, and he was the one who did that back in the 90s back then. And so we, we go a couple decades forward, an opportunity comes here, he joins the staff here, and he's back with the same group of uh, students. So, yeah, it's really good. And when, when the kids perform, like the choir down at the Courthouse Square, They'll come here uh, for pizza beforehand or afterwards. Um, I know that one year they they opened up the, um, I think it was the Riverman game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and that was, you know, what a big thing for a kid to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to be a part of that is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's like we get a bigger family. I will say, too, like every once in a while, I still <clears> see <throat> those Bear Buddy sweatshirts. Yes. I think I saw one the other day. And I was like, where did you get that from? And the student it had been passed down from a big, big sister. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, those relationships are, are golden. They, I tell you what, when you see those kids as they get older and they recognize you and they run to you, I was uh, Walmart last year picking up something and there was a family and the little boy grabbed his mom and pulling on her, mom, 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 there he is, there he is. It's like seeing your teacher out of school. You feel famous. He said, he, he's my buddy. And it's like, wow, it made me feel so important. That's why I liked coming to soccer. I felt like a celebrity. Oh, yeah. Everybody, oh, there she is. <laughs> well, we're about out of time. We've gone about a little over right at 30 minutes. Um, but before we go, is there anything else that either of you would want to share with us about well, you you had asked what what could what could the church do? What could First United Methodist Church do? And I was thinking there isn't really anything tangible that I could think of. I mean, we we always have particular issues like attendance that comes up, but but two things I think people can do is talk positively about public schools in general. Um, and related to that, and I I just thought this now if if you're nervous about the public schools are coming in, come on down. You, you, can, you can come in and we will show you the school because kids are kids. I don't care where, where they go to school. They are the same everywhere. And I've been around, so I can speak to that. And then just pray for us. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's big. That is big. So if you can do those two things, um, you'll be doing, uh, it'll be beneficial too. And if you want to be a reader or a part of any program um, here uh, as part of the Lincoln program, just contact us here at First Church and we can can get you connected. Yes, please, please come on down. Perfect. Well, I'll tell you what, we are going to pray out. Uh, We always do that here. We we can't do that at school. Uh, Although I'll tell you, I know people who are down there praying, uh, maybe not out loud. But they certainly are down there praying. As long as there are math tests, there will be (laughs) prayers in school. That's exactly exactly right. right. Well, let me offer a prayer as we we close here today. Uh, Gracious God, I just want to pause and say thank you for the gift of public schools, an opportunity to educate a new generation, to be, Lord, not only good at math and, and, and science and
whatever else it is that they might be learning in a textbook, but learning how to be good citizens, how to be good people, how to care for others, how to be underneath the authority of someone in appropriate ways. But I know in a public school, Lord, and especially in, a, in an urban setting, it can be a true challenge, not only for the students, but for the teachers, for the administrators, for the janitors, for those in the kitchen. It can be a challenge. And I just pray for them, Lord. May you give them good days. May you help them to see sometimes beyond the misbehavior to what is actually causing that misbehavior, things that might be going on in the life of a child at home or between home and school. And so I just pray, God, may your grace and mercy be theirs. Give them clarity of heart and mind about how best to bring life and grace and good education to these students. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, this has been a podcast of the 116, a podcast about living higher, wider, closer, and deeper. The 116 is a presentation of the Peoria United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Again, don't forget to like and share us on social media. We're available on all podcast platforms. Please subscribe, ring that bell, click that button, whatever it is to subscribe to us and offer a review. We hope a good one. So go to peoria1.com for more information about us and to leave us a message. It's been great being with you uh, with the principal and the assistant principal. Good to have you guys today. May the Lord bless and keep you.